Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am the gatekeeper to the gatekeeper, New England's own Mrs. Van Helsing, St. Jim. And with me all the way from across the pond, from the land of the Red Dragon, the gold standard in ghost hunters' wives, Cat Parsons. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello, how are you? We're all good. How are you doing? Okay, you might hear some random sounds. We've got our five-month-old son in with us as well, so please excuse random noises. Well, we're used to random noises with Mr. Parsons there. Shame on you, Ronald. Well, you know, I was just waiting for that then. And anyways, uh, this is a special edition of uh, Ghost Chronicles International with the wives of the woman behind the great gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons, and of course, the woman behind New England's own Van Helsing, St. Jan. So, uh, I don't even know where to start with this thing. I'm, you know, I'm shaking my boots already. <laughs> I, I've been, I, I've, I've been fretting about this one all day, wondering how this one's going to go, but as it's the holiday season and we've got two weeks break to recover. And probably uh, two listeners. And yet we, according to the chat room, we have two listeners. But I think, I think what we should do, just for um, just to kick it off, is I think we should just hand it to the girls. Oh, oh my God, no, no! <laughs> <laughs> we just saw two minutes of that uh, a little earlier, and that would be the most dead air we ever see. Of hi, how are you? How's the baby? And there you go. Uh, it's incredible that they never, um, they never stop speaking when they're off air. Okay, Kat, how was the older one? Oh, so here you go. <laughs> We're here to talk about ghosts and things that are paranormal, although Steve's children's may be paranormal. I'm not sure about that. But uh... Let Kat speak. Is the older one okay, too? Yeah, he's absolutely fine. He's being good and fast asleep. It's this one we've got to worry about. Well, we won't worry. Everything will go fine, Cat, right? Definitely. It's whether they end up embarrassed at the end of it. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, many have tried. All have failed. Uh, anyways, so ladies, uh, you've been um, you've been uh, the woman behind uh, Mr. Parsons for how many years now, Cat? Uh, uh, six years. Six years, right? Six yeah. long years. Long years. Yes. Right. So in dog years, that's like 150, right? <laughs> I, I would have been put down by now. <laughs> and uh, St. Jan, how long have you been uh, the woman behind uh, New England's own Van Helsing? Well, we've been married for 41 years, and we dated and were engaged for four years before that. All right. So, so forever, it seems. Forever. So, you know, people are curious. They, they want to know, uh, first of all, Kat, you don't do any of this ghost hunting crap, do you? Uh, I actually do. That's how Steve and I met. Really? 
Yes, I actually met Steve and became a friend of his on a live. Yes, Oscar. You want to be a ghost, don't you? Um, I met him at Portsmouth Most Haunted Live. Really? Yes. That's, I think that's probably the only good thing that ever came out of that damn television program. <laughs> sure. um, and I'd, I'd only just started looking into the paranormal in any real sense around that time. So followed his guidance since then. So I don't know where you want to take that. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. To me. um, so, I mean, you, you met him on, I mean, was this on the set or, or I mean, <laughs> I understand that. I feel your pain. Um, I mean, did you meet him on the set? I mean, how, how did it come apart? I mean, I'm curious. No. Um, no, I think he got it right the first time. It came apart, yeah. Um, I went there with a group of friends to watch the show being filmed. Uh -huh. And um, the friends I went with ran the website for Richard Felix. Oh, I know Richard. Yes, and Richard came to join us for a drink, and Steve came along, and that's how we were introduced to him. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, Steve, uh, Steve could never pass up a drink. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually more or less strictly teetotal, and um, <laughs> but I understand. I, I, I understand it. Well, I understand that uh, St. John is also an accomplished investigator. I have gone on many uh, an investigation. Unfortunately, I tend to get tired before the investigation is finished. But I've witnessed really interesting things and um, gone to a lot of historic places and met some really cool people along the way. So what's your take on this ghost stuff, Jan? What do you make of it all? Uh, you know, the fact that Week after week, Ron and I go out our separate, well, sometimes together, but separate locations, leaving well, home and looking for ghosts. Are we well, mad? No, a man's going to do what a man's going to do. And oh, it. it's better than alcohol. It's better than gambling or running around. Um, oh, I don't know. It costs as much. <laughs> well, that it does. Um but Ronnie has always been very strong-minded. He used to play hockey, and finally the guys on the hockey team said, you've got to leave. We can't play anymore. We're afraid you're going to die on the ice, and we don't want to go home and tell your wife that you died. So they kicked him out of hockey, and um, he focuses on the, on the um, paranormal now. And, and also seems to focus a lot on dressing up as well, looking at the Facebook page recently. He does love his uh, costumes and outfits. I do. I yes, do he does. He does. He finds it fun. And the baseball cap. Oh, that ubiquitous baseball cap, yes. I, I'm going to ask the age-old question now of Jan. Yes. What's the scariest place you've ever been to? Oh, scariest place you've ever been to? Well, um, we went to Buttonwoods in Haverhill. Buttonwoods is their... Um, museum there are several buildings on the site we went into this one place that was a private home it was probably close to 250 years old so you know the fireplace the the spindly staircase and everything when we were in one of the upstairs room maureen um channeled this gentleman and he said he was a general he talked with a southern accent which was bizarre for being in new england um but 
Ronnie was provoking him like he loves to do with everybody. And at one point, this Maureen shoved him across the room, which was amazing. Um, actually, I kind of liked it. <laughs> um, but she, she had all the strength of this person it, when she shoved him across the room. And Ronnie had to say to Maureen, come on, come back, Maureen, come back, Maureen. So... Um, that I thought was freaky, and there was another time that I didn't attend this event, but I watched the video afterwards, and Maureen had channeled these pugwuggy creatures, whatever it was, but she was backing towards the face of a cliff, and things were getting really hairy, so Ronnie actually had to tackle her to the ground, which doesn't sound very nice, but um, they were fearful that you know she was just going to keep on going and back off the cliff. Um, she, when she was this creature, she was growling and snarling and, you know, that was really freaky looking to watch. Very much. Sort of like me in the morning, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're not that grouchy once you've had your, uh, what was it? Pumpkin crumb cake, was it? Yeah, as long as you feed me and feed me coffee, I'm fine. Yeah, but you can't feed you after midnight, after midnight. Is that, that's, if, if yeah, I that, that's it. That's the one. Don't feed Ron after midnight. So I mean, I, I, you know, I want to go back to this. I'm, I'm really excited about learning about Cat and and Most Haunted. I mean, really. I mean, Steve very seldom talks about Most Haunted, and and I think this is really intriguing that that she would. Uh, what was your thoughts on the show? I mean, you you went to see the the taping of a lot of ones. So you you must have liked the show, Cat, right? Um. I started watching the program because my mum was a fan, but we'd had a bereavement in the family. And we were looking at ways to raise funds for some equipment for the hospital where the person had passed away. And believe it or not, at the time, I was terrified of the dark. <laughs> so there's my mum watching this haunting program. And I came up with this genius idea of being locked in a building that was haunted so I could scare myself for money. <laughs> so... Um, through the different Most Haunted websites, I got in touch with some really nice people who said, well, come along to Portsmouth and we'll try and set you up with a building to be able to do it in. And that's how I ended up going to the live. Wow. Oh. So I wasn't into the show as such, but I went to a couple of lives after that because it was a good opportunity to meet up with some of the people that I'd met on the websites who've become long-term friends now. It's really nice to see people in person um, when you haven't, you know, you've been talking on the internet and things like that. But to get to meet them in person is really cool, and I hope that we get the, um, to get to meet each other in person very soon. Well, that's what we hope as well. So there's plans afoot, I think. Oh, good. Mm. So I, I mean, it must have been interesting to, to meet Steve, who, who must have seemed bigger than life. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, I, 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 I know the first time I met him, I, I was shaking really. I, I was in awe of that, you know, gold standing and ghost hunting. I, you know, I, I really didn't feel worthy. And you weren't, Ronnie, you weren't. Well, at the time, he wasn't declared to be gold standard. And the people that I went with, one of them went up to Kieran for advice about equipment. Ah, there you go. Kieran. And they said, well, actually, you need to speak to that man over there. So nobody knew who he was. So oh. nobody was afraid of him because they didn't know what he was capable of. <laughs> the truth is, uh, when that when that live was filmed, uh, was going out, 
they hadn't actually shown Series 8 here in the UK. So they knew there was a new investigator on the programme, but they didn't know who, who he was, what he looked like, or any details. So I was able to, certainly for the first 24 hours, sneak off and get uh, get coffee and lurk around without, without, um, without being a bother to anybody. Hello, Oscar. Is that, is that a banshee? <laughs> yes, sometimes you think it. He's a, he's a he's a funny little thing because when when it when the sun's up over the horizon he's all happy and smiling. The minute it goes down below below the horizon, he turns into some sort of howling creature. Oh, <laughs> <coughs> that's not true, Stephen. It is. <laughs> it is actually. That's why I that's that's why I was awake at three a.m. this morning, sitting in front of the computer, writing, um, getting that uh, crossword done for tonight. <laughs> only to only to discover halfway through that there was a message on Facebook saying, "Don't bother." That's you. Yeah, I I know, but um, Kat, you're lucky. I mean, you are a real investigator too. I mean, you go out in the field and and uh, you know you, you get your your elbows dirty. Something like that. Yes. Um, I call myself a, a bit of a minion. I, I sit there and do as I'm told. Oh, um, like Janet then. Okay. Oh, pretty much. But uh, then Steve's got all the experience. He's got all the background knowledge to go with it. Whereas I, I like to be part of it, but he's got the library of books and I'm not allowed in the office very often. Hey, so I'm honoured coming his, in. Ron's got his own office. Yeah. So have you. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, Kat. I mean, you're not intimidated now that you're married to him and, and you control the the household. I mean, it's you must not be. You know, you don't take his guff anymore. I mean, before it was like, oh, I got all these books. I'm wicked smart. But now you you know him. Uh, you you correct him when he's wrong, right? Not when it comes to the paranormal. I don't because he can pretty much put me in my place most of the time. Um, but he knows what he knows about the paranormal. Steve tends to not speak about something unless he can back it up. Mm -hmm. um, whereas my area of interest is um, history, pretty much like you, Jan. You know, the, the historical books that are out there at the moment, particularly the Tudors. So that's the area that he tends to not challenge me too much on. So we, we each have our, our, our little niche. And that's the way it should be, mutual respect. Exactly. It's also, I mean, Kat's underplaying a role yeah. here in the team because the the, the team itself, you, you do have to have people of, you know, if everybody was parapsychologists or, you know, interested in the technical side or the psychology or, or a single aspect of the paranormal, it wouldn't really work as a team. But because we've got people who are very, very good at note-taking and observing documenting their experiences and making coffee and making coffee and we have others who can look after the equipment right that, that's how that's how a good team should work in america that's we good. call that too many chiefs and not enough indians so you're right you oh, well, need we have, a leader i'm sorry you need people that will fill in in the other areas so you're absolutely correct 
In Parasites, though, although he's saying that I miss his Parasites, Mrs. Parasites is actually Anne, the co-founder, and believe me, she's she she is is much scarier than Steve. <laughs> but much nicer. Too. She's lovely, but she's scary. You really? don't you cross her. <laughs> no, no, I never cross Anne. <laughs> really? Well, and it's for the, our listeners who don't know, I, I am actually a member of Parascience now. You are indeed. Uh, I haven't had the uh, the the grace uh, to meet Anne yet, and, and I'm sure uh, she will be enthralled when she meets me. That's <laughs> Well, I'm sure that one day that will that will come to fruition. Mm-hmm. But Anne and I have often been mistaken for for a, a married couple. I think it's because we've worked together with Parascience and and in groups before that for it's in excess of twenty years. Um, oh yeah, makes sense. You know, you, you just have a, a routine. We know each the way each other works. Anne is an excellent psychologist um, with it with an in depth knowledge of the equipment, and of course, I, I operate the equipment and have a, a a kind of knowledge of psychology. So we we can cross over with each other and support each other. Um, but people do sometimes mistake us for a married couple, and so we I- do argue like an old married couple. So, I mean, who has the final say in parascience? Uh, it's joint between Anne and I. I, I tend to look after the... Well, I tend to look after the, uh, the hands-on investigation stuff, that, that side of parascience, and Anne looks after or, or takes, takes control and takes care of all the processing of the psychological information. So the team reports uh, and uh, the experience... Uh, experiences of the witnesses, all that sort of stuff. Okay. So but I the day to day, you know, the day to day running of it, we we share the responsibilities. We cooperate, and you know, we we chat regularly, um, a couple of times a week, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to go back to Cat again, and and you've been with Steve, and he's ever come back from an investigation where he's really been shaking his head and, and really, really couldn't. Couldn't uh, couldn't understand what went on, or, or was uh, I, I don't know what the question, question exactly, but but really something that threw him for a loop. Um, not in the UK. Um, he came back quite impressed with some of the things that happened over with you guys, but it's difficult for him to explain because I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he hasn't stopped talking about the trip, so that speaks volumes. Oh, must must. Must have been the ghost meter pro that I gave him. That he was in awe <laughs> of that. I'm sure that it was. A- it was. A- it was actually um, the trip to Salem and the lobster dinner. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> we, we, but... have, we have a question in the chat room, and, and maybe uh, the girls can answer this for us. Uh, does anyone think it's possible that taps are heard in ghostly situations might cause? by actually electrical pops? Yeah, I suppose anything's possible, Ronnie. Cat? I, I'm trying to ponder that one, really. Um, Do you know what they're talking about? If there's anybody here, can you please knock me here? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it really depends on the building, doesn't it? Some don't have any electrical power provided to the building. So how do you explain those ones? Well, I think they're talking that the electrical pops might be paranormal where a spirit is actually manifesting or 
are uh, of creating something that that's what's causing the popping noise. It's more of electrical than a uh, mechanical. Or if I, a source in NAM has just asked to define electrical pops. Um, so um, I'm waiting to see what the definite, you know, how, how they're actually going to define this, whether... And laugh, Ronald. There you go. <laughs> Uh, you know sometimes in haunted places when you feel en- it's a tap so back to the girls I'm trying not to answer this one yet <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying not to look at you um, it's not something I've ever encountered to be honest I've never experienced anything while I'm out there so trying to put this into the context of a location and an experience is quite hard for me um, well, I really, well, I really can't answer the question from yeah, lack of experience. Yeah, think of it this way: think of a, think of a walking across the the floor with a cat on each of your feet, and then touching Steve. You know that sound it makes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like a snap. Yeah, yeah. Static electricity. Yeah. Yay! Finally, there you go. Somebody got it. There. You are. It's, okay. it's really intimidating having my husband stood right next to me whilst having to answer these I'm questions. The, I'm, I've been left holding the baby, and literally. I mean literally. <laughs> I, I mean, so evidently you, you still are intimidated by him, but uh, unlike uh, Jan, Jan's not intimidated by me at all. And, uh, <laughs> um, she knows how to uh, keep me in my place, that's for sure. Okay, well, just to go back to answering Spooky... Um, it's certainly um, a fact that you, don't, uh, that you can get electric, electrostatic discharges, as Jan said, um, and that's because some of the materials. I'm sure everybody's familiar with pulling a pulling a sweater over their head or rubbing a balloon to make it stick to a wall. Right. Uh, so lots of natural and man-made materials will hold an electrostatic charge, and then. That charge can either dissipate by itself if it builds up to a strong enough level. It can then jump across and it'll give a snapping sound. Um, or indeed, as, as people or, or objects are moved around inside a, a location, then again, the electrostatic discharge can make these sudden popping and snapping noises. So it's, it's certainly not beyond the bounds of, of expectation. Okay. So, I mean, did you... Well, I, I don't know. Show. It, Thank you. I, there are times we, I, I think I know what Spooky is talking about, and, and, and I've heard those sounds before. They, they are, they're, they're like a snap. They're like, to me, they're, they're not quite the electrical, but it's more of a snap type thing. I have heard You're right, Oscar. That's, that's true. Right. I agree with you on that. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know I looked at it that way, but you're right, Oscar. That's right. Um, but anyway. Oh, sorry. He's just telling you what's his milk. Thank you. Thank you. Um, anyways. I'm glad to ask well, all right. I can understand that too. I mean, but still we have to move on. We you know, we can't dwell on it. Uh, but anyway. Uh so any anyways, uh Spooky is is added, right? I understand what you're saying, Steve, but this is different, heavier or something. So I guess unless we really hear it. Uh, well, that's, that's it, isn't it? Unless we, we, we get to experience it in a situation where perhaps we can also record it, maybe measure it, then, um, I mean, 
I was answering the question is, could could it be an electrostatic discharge? Well, that's certainly possible because they do have those sounds. Um, mm. But there are other causes too. It could just... One of the other interesting possibilities that we, we've discovered through the infrasound research is that um, the low-frequency vibrations, which are very, very powerful, of course, act almost as miniature seismic waves or miniature earthquakes. And sometimes when you get stress building up in a structure of a building or an object particularly a door or a window frame, um, when it's subject to these vibrations, over time that stress can suddenly release with a a crack or a popping sound too. So it might just be a structural phenomena uh, taking place. There are so many other possibilities. um, And as you say, Ron, without actually being able to hear it for ourselves or being in a situation where we can, uh, you know, observe it or document it, then, we can only speculate. Right. And Sailing Cat from uh, the Pararex chat room uh, mentioned that uh, same thing about the, the noise of the building as well. Um, and, and that's a, you know, a, kind of a key thing is, is to, uh, when you do an investigation, and I was talking about this on the morning show just earlier this week, is that we tend to get away from doing our homework on it. You know, we don't go into a building. We don't really spend a lot of time there doing nothing, just listening to the building and uh, that's that's kind of important. And we don't go visit a building in the daytime. Uh, well, when I'm saying we, I mean, I'm talking about the paranormal groups in general. They don't visit a building in the daytime uh, to, for a lot of different reasons. And one of them is quite obviously safety. And, and I don't know if you heard this, um, Steve, but out in Gettysburg, California, a ghost hunter fell 30 feet in a, in a building uh, that she was in. And, and we're clearly not uh, cognizant of the dangers of it, and, and as well as uh, trespassing on top of it. So, I mean, th- these are some of the things that really are basics that ghost hunters in general have kind of gotten away from. Um, well, I know we're coming up to an ad break, so maybe we should touch on safety after we come back from the break. But it is, it is, um, it is absolutely true. And it's something that we do take very seriously, and I know you do too. And there is an increasing movement now within paranormal investigators to take some better account of the well-being and safety of the teams because there has been, uh, in recent years, a run of unfortunate incidents. Some of them possibly avoided mm-hmm. or avoidable because the investigators got themselves into situations somewhat stupidly in some cases. Right. Um, but groups are taking, you know, they, they are taking better account of their well-being. I don't, I don't, I don't find that. I mean, we just had that plantation that burnt down. It was quite, you know, quite obvious they weren't taking care of their situation. And uh, you know, there was there's a uh, the wife of a ghost hunter. Speaking about wives, recently died because she contracted uh, a, a disease from uh, mouse droppings in a building uh, that was uh, heavily uh, contaminated. And uh, that's one of those that you probably should have wore a mask with. So. Anyways, uh, that's the tunes, which means we have to take a break. You are listening to Ghostbusters <coughs> International with Mr. and Mrs. Austin, Mr. and Mrs. Van Helsink, and Alaska, right here on Tokenet, RX, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Right now.
Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parrax family. <laughs> 427. All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolek, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so we have, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And cemetery tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann and Ron. See you then. Yeah, you can tell Ron's racing heart means that we're back for the second half of Ghost Chronicles International Live on Togginet, Para-X, the Ghost Channel, or maybe not live, actually, because you might be listening to the podcast. And as tonight is our last one before the holidays, and poor old Ron and Mrs. Van Helsing are about to be snowed in, we've got the girls with us, and baby Oscar, too. Uh, the real brains and power behind the Ghost Hunters, um, St. Jan and Cat. Amen. Evening. <laughs> Evening. <laughs> oh, I wish I could hug that little Oscar so badly. <laughs> yeah, we'll tie him up with duct tape at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's what Jen does to me on Saturday nights. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so let's go back to uh, ghost hunting with the ladies. I mean, Jan has an interesting story. Uh, when I first got involved in this, you know, it was I was never like 
really interested in doing this, and it, it kind of happened by uh, half a chance, if that's even a word. Happen chance. Uh, so, uh, anyways, Jen, wh what did you think when I first started getting involved in uh, this uh, paranormal stuff? All I could do was shake my head and say, what now? How am I going to deal with this? And frankly, I just let him be on his own for quite a while. The first time I accompanied him was because he specifically told me we were invited to meet this lady who owned a bed and breakfast. And I went with him and then I realized she had a story to tell and, you know, she wanted a positive audience to listen to her and she was very nice. Then I started feeling more comfortable. She, you know, she told a lot of stories and from that point on, I felt more comfortable and, and I would accompany him. But in the very beginning, like I said, I just had to shake my head and say, what am I going to do now? So there you go. She was supportive all the way. <laughs> so, well, we've got them. Um, we've just been answering a question in the chat room because a lot of people that we've talked about, um, well, you can hear him in the background at the moment, Oscar. I don't think many people have, have ever really realized because of his, he has another unusual middle name. Um, that Oscar is, of course, the baby in Ghostbusters 2, which somebody just spotted in the chat room. And yes, that's why he's called Oscar. No, that's um, why you called him Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> and it's got absolutely nothing to do with Kieran or Stay Puffed. It's just, it's a good film. Whereas I actually suggested the name because a ferry was going past called the Oscar Wilde. Oh, really? But he didn't realise that. He thought I was naming the baby after the baby from Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> you you have fairies in England? Fairy, a fairy really? boat. Oh, yeah, you did get that famous <laughs> picture of, right, the, the two fairies that were... Uh... Yes, we, we, we do. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle for, um, was involved in an investigation into fairies uh -huh. uh, just towards the end of the First World War. But... Uh, People are, I think Spooky saying, are we serious about Oscar's name being Ghostbusters? Well, absolutely, but it's his middle name that gets most of the attention because his his elder sister, um, who's a bit of a Star Wars fan, chose his middle name, which is Anakin. Oh, that's cute, Oscar Anakin. Do you know what Anakin is? Well, you're going to tell us. No, I'm not. <laughs> well, Anakin is, is of course... Um, was Anakin Skywalker, who later grew up to become Darth Vader. Oh, that's right. That's right. And if we, if we, if I suppose we better come clean about Ethan, who's fast asleep in the other room, is Oscar's three-year-old brother, who has the middle name of Jesus, which of course written down is Jesus. Is Jesus. And the reason for that is he said he he wanted his little boy to be known as the Son of God. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that sounds like Steve quite well. Yeah. yeah. It worked out well when, when Ethan was smaller because we um, we tried to hire him out at this time of year because he was <laughs> it was about he was five months old around his first Christmas and we were trying to hire him out to all the local um, pantomime groups and nativities as the real baby Jesus. Right, you could have left him out in the cold manger for uh, a couple of nights. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. Yeah, that would, I'm sure that flew well. Yeah, we live in we live in Wales, home. You know, we're not short of sheep here in Shepherd, so uh, it's the perfect the perfect solution. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. So, anyways, uh, Kat, I want to go back to you again. Is I mean, 
are you trained as a ghost hunter? I, I know that Steve is so much into training and and, and credentials and all that stuff. Uh, are you trained, and, and where did you get your training? I started with an amateur group um, who weren't doing ghost hunting in a way that was very respectful to the property or anyone involved in it. And when I met Steve, um, he gave me the opportunity of coming across to Parascience with a, a few other friends who were, he, he thought would be suitable. Um, so the trainings happened with Parascience. Um, beyond that, it's what little reading I can say that I've done. But Steve's method of training... I, I personally can't find fault with it, having gone on other people's ghost hunts. Um, beyond that, I don't have any extensive experience. Like I said, it, it's all with the group, but I like the way that we do things. Okay. Um, okay. The, the group is well-respected. It's almost like an aura when you go on a public ghost hunt and they say, uh, which team do you work with? And you say, Parascience is like a hush goes across the room because the team are so well respected for how they do things. And I, I know I'm a bit, yes, I know I'm a bit biased saying that, but it is true when, when you talk to people about the group. So that, that says a lot in in my point of view. Okay. I I noticed uh, going back to Oscar again, one of the people in the uh, Pararex chat room wanted, thought that he was named after the Oscar Mayawina. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I, I don't make this stuff up. I, I don't know. It could happen. Could but, be. But, um, moving along. Um, so it, when you go on an investigation, what is your role in the investigation, Kat, uh, when Steve's there? And is he mean to you? No, he's not mean to me. He doesn't let me sit with my best friend, but that's because we tend to talk too much. <laughs> Guilty. Um, yes, he, he he will put me with anybody else except my best friend because you'll hear us the other side of the building. Yeah, Ryan complains to me about the same thing, Kat. <laughs> Do you know, it's not actually a bad thing in... in, in... A lot of investigations, sitting in the dark and on your own quietly is is, is a recipe for uh, trouble, really, because you just end up falling asleep, hallucinating, and your mind wanders. So we do encourage people to, to work together in pairs and to talk to each other, read books, chat about stuff, because you're much more awake, you're much more alert. Really? Yeah, much less likely to miss something happening. But don't you want to soak in the atmosphere? Uh, well, we came. We, you, you touched on that point before, and we don't do these one-night uh, visits. We don't just pop along there, do a night, call it, you know, an investigation, and then disappear. Right. Um, so we there are there are a lot there are lots of you know opportunities for people to spend extended periods at a place by day and by night. Um, but when when people are investigating, it's much more important that they're awake and alert, so that they can actually, you know, be in a position to observe something. I the the analogy that we sometimes use when we're training the team, um, or indeed, uh, I think I used it while I was over there with you, uh, is that if you're if you're watching Downton Abbey, 
and a big fat spider walks across the, the floor, you don't miss the big fat spider. But if you're sitting in the dark with the lights out, you're not going to see a, you wouldn't see a giraffe walk across the room. So I, I want to know what Jan's role is on the investigations. Is, is she um, more technically, are you more technically orientated or do you... No. no. Yeah, candy. <laughs> no, I just show up, hopefully get a meal out of it or a drink, um, spend some time with Ronnie. In the beginning, we used to do base camps and, you know, I'd be at the base camp a lot, but... If I go, I like to look around the building because usually they are historic, so that's very interesting. Um, but, no, I'm not into walking around with cameras or equipment. Basically, I'm lazy. I just like to go and relax. The, the interesting thing is, is when and, and why I like to bring Jan a lot is, is she's more the ambassador for the group and, and that she – uh, is like a liaison or whatever between the, uh, the the people that are there and our team and, and that she makes them feel at ease and uh, um, you know because a lot of them are really you know a little apprehensive about having people come into their house they're apprehensive about what's going on so John, Jan has this unique uh, ability to make them uh, feel at ease and, and allow us to do our work Wow that's a nice compliment Ronnie thank you I have to make good to that one. Was, it, was that also an admission there by Ron that, that he's not quite as tactful, as tactful as he should be? Well, we know he doesn't play well with others at all times. <laughs> Just to go to the chat room, we've got one question. Is it possible to set up an oscilloscope to get electrical information from the air? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, you do need to have two probes in order to measure something. One has to be grounded to Earth and one... Uh, in free air, but it's not quite as simple as that. And there are actually uh, pieces of equipment that would cost you less than an oscilloscope to measure, for example, like the uh, the ion detector. Um, mm -hmm. That could also be used as an electrostatic detector. And they're only, I think they're under $50. Right, so right. you save the oscilloscope for something much more useful. EVP lights up as well. Jan, do you when when you because I know you have a a, a passion um, toward history like Kat has, and we use that that sort of interest in people um, as an asset for the group because obviously, if somebody's got an interest in history, then they're the best people to pass the job of researching the location, digging through the archives. Is that something you do? No, uh, as I said earlier, I read for pleasure. Uh, we had a we have a woman that's part of our group, and we haven't done it for a while. But she's a librarian, and she has done a lot of investigation. Yeah, we actually have a, a branch. Uh, Janet Rucker uh, heads that up. She is a librarian. She has a degree in uh, library science as well, and um, she heads the research on what they do is is they'll get us the background information or whatever we need the history the on, on the land, history on the building, history on history, history on history. Yeah, who owned it at different yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. So the, that's that's what she does in, in, with her group. Well, I, I want to know what, what what is an American ghost hunter's holiday season shaping up like? What do you get up to over there? Do you do anything special for the holidays that's paranormally orientated? 
because you know over here we we have a well, tradition we'll, we'll of the church. Christmas ghost story. We, we go to church, which is paranormally activity. I mean that that's you know when you think about religion, religion is paranormal. It's it's not normal. It's in our not lives. We can't explain it. It's believing in something that there is no evidence of. So it, that's kind of what the paranormal is. Well, it's called faith. Yeah. I have faith in the good Lord. We will go to mass either Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. And with everything Ron does, we're both 100% in agreement that nothing that we do is going to be for um, bad purposes, so to speak. If, if you... Um, yeah, no, I understand. It, I, the reason I was asking is because people always associate um, Halloween, of course, with ghost stories and right. scary, scary, uh, scary films. But here in here in the UK, we have a tradition that goes back to uh, actually before Charles Dickens, and that was one of the reasons why he wrote uh, his famous ghost story, A Christmas Carol, and right. several right. others. Um, that we we sit around the fireside uh, on Christmas night and we tell ghost stories. Here uh, ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. That's the one, um, and that's 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 quite an old tradition. I was wondering whether that tradition passed from old England to New England, so to speak. Not that I'm aware of. No, no. not at all. Uh, it's, 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 Speaking about Christmas, you, do you have a traditional Santa Claus, or, or is it different than our Santa Claus? Father Christmas, isn't it? Um, it it's it's Father Christmas, Santa Claus, uh, Saint Nick. Uh, it's exactly the same as yours. It's the same one that was invented by Coca Cola. Um, right. <laughs> And you know we'll we'll watch Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, and we'll watch Scrooge, and a Wonderful Life. So it's almost exactly the same sort of Christmas in terms of Christmas itself. Yeah, um, but you have this extra holiday that's tapped onto it, Boxing Day or whatever the heck it is. Boxing Day. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the day where you put all the boxes out in the garage. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, Actually, you know your daddy. He was wrong. There is, uh, there is, um, there is a reason for Boxing Day, but um, the, the your feast day, um, whatever it is, it eludes me for the time being. I know it's also the feast of exactly. the opening of the charity boxes. Ah, oh, there you go. It's the opening of the charity boxes. And distributed to the the poor and the uh, the the people that didn't because. Uh, yeah, even even the um, the uh, the man people from the manors and stuff would take their their leftover stuff and and give it to the the, uh, um, the state workers. Right, exactly. Well, we have that increasingly over here now with uh, <laughs> with our austerity government. We have we have uh, huge numbers of food banks and lots of supermarkets that uh, uh, have collection points now for people to donate food to the poor and the needy of each parish. We have it here too, Steve. Uh, so uh, it's it, it, times haven't really changed in the last four hundred years. Uh, we don't have the um, what was it called the, cat, the 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 parish cow anymore. Um, the cow charity where uh, the, the, they would use the funds to buy 
several cows and then they would give the cows to the poor of the parish for a year um, so that they could um, have the milk and have the benefit of the animal and then at the end of a period of time or when they got back on their feet uh, the cow was returned or if they sold it you know because it was a beef cow they they gave a proportion of it back back to the parish and we also had the bread one as well um, would, would you know, one, one thing I do want to talk about, and, and I wonder if this is anything that's been talked about in the paranormal community in the UK, is, of course, they just completed that study on uh, Princess Di's death. And, and, well, I know, Oscar, I know. Uh, I hate to bring it up. Uh, but no government involvement in her death. I mean, has there been... You know where people have tried to contact her, or is that a taboo subject in the UK? No, we've had uh, quite a few mediums who've claimed to have um, channeled Lady Die, um, and indeed her ghost has been reportedly seen on a number of occasions. But there have been um, several mediums, and I think a quick search through Google would 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 certainly highlight that who have claimed to have channeled the spirit of Lady Die. We we investigated a case of. A few years after her death, uh, where the lady of the house who who said she had abilities uh, said that uh, amongst her communicants was in fact um, the princess, the princess of Wales, Lady Diana. So uh, it's uh, go back to the conspiracy thing. That's not something we get really wound up about over here in the UK. Um, yes, there are people who are interested in conspiracy theories, uh, and and you know, was she killed? Was she murdered? Was it just a drunken driver? But the vast majority of us, you know, we we don't really get that wound up about it. Right, sort of like, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, it's not going to change anything. No, it's not going to change anything. It's like, it's like with politics. We don't get worked up about, you know, politics either. We don't, we don't vote very often. We don't really, we don't trust our politicians and we don't really vote for them, so. We don't trust ours either. No, but we do get your uh, we do get your presidential elections filling up our television channels twenty four seven every. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I do apologize. And we send you down to Abbey in return. And mind you, you do you do uh, we do get lizard lip towing. So there are. So uh, going on uh, on the seizing and so forth. I mean, we have New Year's, which is a big holiday here as well. And um, I wonder, do you have? Uh, do you have the psychics that come out and give all their predictions for the new year and so forth? Um, every every major na- uh, national newspaper uh, well, sun- uh, does its Sunday uh, pull-out supplements, and they always have um, the different astrologers. Um, not so many of the mediums, but the, the papers always have the astrologers um, forecast for the year ahead for, for all of the different star signs. We have something called Old Moore's Almanac, which has been uh, going for, I don't know, certainly around about 100 years, which is like a daily forecast for the year ahead. Um, that, that normally comes out around this time of year, too. Is it, is it more of weather or is it actual events? It's everything. It's it's from the, the winner of horse races to what the royal family is going to, to get up to, to the weather, to when to plant your, your crops, when to go fishing. It's a whole uh, raft of different predictions. But we do get mediums. We do get psychic predictions for the year ahead. Um, 
hear Oscar's giving his uh, opinion of them at the moment. Mm-hmm. And in the main, yeah, like all of these end of the world theorists as well, they never really come to fruition. I mean, you know, somebody said that Prince Prince William was going to have a baby, um, and they said it for the first what is it three or four, uh, three years of his marriage until he eventually did have a baby, and then claimed they were right all along. They just uh, mixed up because we all know that there is no time in the spirit world, so that that was a little confusing to them. Well, it's the time when I think we look to the future, we make our resolutions, and then we break them the following day. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm going to I'm going to lose a stone, and I'm not going to eat chocolate, and I'm going to be nice to nice to people, and then the following day, it's it's all gone again. So there isn't actually, you know, a huge difference between the way we celebrate the holiday season over here, except that you get more snow than we do. Um, those winter storms that you're having currently, we in two or three days' time, they'll turn into 80, well, on Friday for us, um, we've got 80-mile-an-hour-plus um, winds and driving rain with flood warnings. So that's that's what happens after they've crossed the Atlantic. We get them three days later. Right. We're, I'm actually look, sitting in front of our window. We are sitting yeah. in front of the window and and the snow is just coming right down. And we, we have already have about uh, six or eight inches out there already. So um, that was from the last storm. So this is a little extra for us because we're such good people. Um, well, you see, I think that kind of makes Christmas. Um, you know, uh, I think, you know, white Christmas is everybody, certainly here in the U.K., it's something we get very obsessed about, um, and it's something the weathermen are talking about, you know, a month months in advance that people take place bets on, um, and the 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 official designation uh, by uh, if, if you want to win a bet um, on whether um, Christmas Day is a white Christmas or not, the official designation of a white Christmas is if a single snowflake lands on the roof of one of the four Met Office buildings in the UK. Um, then it's officially a white Christmas and the bookies have to pay out. Uh, but everybody, you know, we, we, we're a maritime, uh, we have a maritime climate, so we don't get the snow very often. Scotland does uh, further north. But we, you know, everybody here in the UK longs for a white Christmas and we watch all of the movies um on afternoon and daytime television with the typical, almost quintessential Hollywood uh, white Christmases. Uh, with, you know, we just don't get that sort of weather. Christmas Day over here tends to be sort of mid-teens uh, Celsius, um, sometimes a bit sunny, more often than not raining. Um, so we don't have the white Christmas. Oh, the real sort of cold winter beats about. The real core of our winter comes uh, actually February, March. Ah. Anyways, that's the, the doorbell, which means the pizza from the dead is here, so we've got to wrap up the show. So, uh, I mean, Jan and I would like to extend you to come visit us next Christmas and enjoy all the lovely aspects <laughs> of our lovely white Christmas. Christmas snow is wonderful, but it is such a nuisance. People forget how to drive. They drive off the highway into the mediums and down gullies and uh, even worse just mention the s word and of course there's a run on the supermarket 
<laughs> Much the same over here. First hint of bad weather and all of the bread and milk has disappeared. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There you go. And people drive into anything just to go get that because just in case they might need a little extra milk or an extra slice of bread uh, or their ice cream, then, uh, you know, they've got to have it. Well, all our stores, it's bizarre because all of our main supermarkets, they do shut for Christmas Day, but only for Christmas Day. And yet people still insist on going out with trolleys buckling under the weight of the, the Christmas fare instead of just popping to the shops like they do every other week of the year. <laughs> hmm. Truly bizarre. It, you know, what's interesting is, is we have, a, and we're just about out of time, but uh, we have a, uh, a eating chain here called Denny's. And uh, I remember a few years back, uh, they actually decided to close on Christmas. And in some of these stores, they had to go out and actually install locks because they were open 24 hours a day. There was no necessary for locks on them. Bizarre. Um, just as we come to the end, I think from here in the UK, um, I'd like to wish all of um, our listeners in, the, in America and Great Britain a very happy Christmas, a very happy holidays. And um, all of the people I met, of course, when I was over there back in the fall, um, again, happy holidays. Well, and everyone here on this side. Happy holidays. And uh, have a great new year. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see you next year. So, Yeah, we're back January the 7th, um, okay. I think. Aren't we? Love to you, Kat. Bye, Asha. Bye. So, good night. God bless everyone. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.